You're listening to Bleed TV, the only podcast for these best shows and movies. I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa. And we're here doing Mr. Robot, episode one, no, two. Like, two. Well, I was going to say one because it's 3.1 labeled mm. uh, in the thing, even though it's an episode behind that damn Mr. Robot. But, uh, why would they do this to us? Because they fucking hate me. That's why. <laughs> like It's miserable putting all the information in, getting it wrong, realizing you're seven episodes ahead or something. I hate it. I hate you it. You know what hates me? What? My body. Because as our viewers will, you know, undoubtedly figure out if they decided to follow me on Instagram, I had a show last night and I am hungover as hell. Yay. So, yay. Loud noises all the way throughout, people. Be prepared. Oh, please, God, no. <laughs> Flashing lights and everything. I'm going to die. <laughs> but no, I'm here for you. I'm here for the people to talk about Mr. Robot, about this episode that really pissed me off. Yes, it did piss me off a lot. But also, this episode kind of played into your hungoverness because it was really dark. Like, there was a lot of... Dark. Like, I tried to turn up my brightness a little bit, and I, I was still lost. Dark, a little slow... Generally pretty pretty gentle on the, the old noggin, but, you know, I still watched it in the dark under yeah. some blankets while icing my head. Well, it had really weird pacing to me. Like, it was slow, 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 then wham! All of a sudden, it was like, and that's two tons of information that I need to unravel real quick. Or it's I just, yeah, it's been interesting to me because I feel like they're really trying to change their aesthetic and tone this season, but they haven't white gotten a handle on it yeah like, i would say that's a good account yeah, of what's going on well because in the first episode you know we had almost traditional shooting and editing yeah like it, it looked like any any other drama minus and you then, know the one fantastic scene yeah i mean obviously the show is still very different but yeah. as close to a normal drama as that show has ever gotten I mean, I just didn't want to sweep under that masterful filming. No. You know, I want to give it its credit. Yes. But this episode kind of definitely had a few of our uh, favorite framings where people are, you know, down in the, the, the bottom corner. Yes. They, they definitely did that again. And um, A whole lot so of close-ups. Coming back. Yeah, we had a lot of close-ups and a lot of uh, really good angles that changed how I was feeling about characters in the moment. And, if that uh, makes they, any they, sense. Like, made you feel certain ways about the scene that you might not have previously. That yes. Then once the scene unfolded, made sense. Yep. They, they had a lot of that going for me all throughout. But also, I think... Oh, no. No? Go. No, I was going to move us along, so you go ahead. My last, my last just this episode and i will say this until the day i die bd wong is my queen yes like there's a, there's gonna be a lot of talking about bd wong and to all of our listeners i'm gonna go ahead and apologize for us because we have just been calling uh the main bd wong's character white rose honestly i don't even know the character's name outside of that um his his, his name, name yeah is Mai, and his second name is queen <laughs> fair enough so uh anyone who's been getting confused or anything we apologize but as you know on this podcast we we give nicknames and we just kind of stick with them and white rose is so beautiful and elegant that her persona is her nickname 
and yep. it's better than anything else we can come up with. And we also, we, I mean, we didn't even have Mustache Johnny. No, I was looking for Mustache Johnny all episode, too. I really like his speed, like, in the way he controls a, uh, his emotions. He kind of feels like a character out of Fargo. Yes, and we had some Fargo-type scenes in this uh, episode that I really yeah. enjoyed. So, Shoot. anyway, moving right along. Yes, moving right along, you know, we have the beginning of the episode, which... This was like a 12-minute opening scene before we get to the great explosion and Mr. Robot popping out. And how did you feel about this montage? Um, it was definitely... It's definitely interesting to see sort of a return to the fast edit Mr. Robot form mm-hmm. that we've come to know and love. Um, I... It's a little lame to me that Elliot is so determined to help E Corp, even to the extent of seeing the Evil Corp logo change the E Corp into E Corp. It's been so long since we've seen that that I honestly forgot that they were called E Corp at one point in time. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it it, may, it reminded me very strongly of first season Elliot. Yeah, I will agree with that a hundred percent. But are you getting any vibes that maybe? He's subconsciously going in through the back door again, or do you think he's just genuinely trying to help E Corp in I this way? I think that he, as far as he can possibly be aware, is genuinely trying to help. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm probably going to have to uh, give that to you because I don't see how there's any way that he's not just trying to clean up E Corp and be the, hey, I stuck out and lost E Corp. Really wasn't that bad, guys. Let's just go ahead and act like none of this ever happened. Thus, the title, Undo. I mean, I laughed a lot in that opening sequence, especially when he was like, oh. you know when you have a bad day? <laughs> and it's just like you're, you're walking on your girlfriend cheating on you, or it's just like the girl you have a big crush on sees you mess up, and then he or gets... Like, or you bring down the very fabric of humanity, <laughs> you know? Just yeah. like that. You know, no, no big deal. Like, you know, small, small... End of the world. Let me just go ahead. Also, you can see a big difference between season one Elliot and season three Elliot. Yes. In the fact that he is sending people to prison again. Yep. Very happy to see it. Like it's no one's business. Yeah, like he's got the FBI on personal speed dial for all of these things. And I love that it's like the same three FBI people every time. Yes, so much credit. And then at first I was like, man, why isn't Dom doing any of this? But then it kind of gets explained later on. But it's just like, these people are moving up the ladders pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you turned out to be uh, right about some things concerning Dom. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, I try to be right every once in a while. I can't let you have all of the credit. I mean, as long as I get time travel, that's all I care about. Get out of here. Get out of here with all of those shenanigans. Never time travel. How did you feel about the emoji heads? Did you get as good of a laugh out of those as I did? Um, I, I thought they were funny, especially when we did like that scene again, and we kind of saw like you know them with the emojis and whatnot. But yeah. It didn't play quite how I feel like they wanted it to. Oh man, I think we have to agree to disagree because I was cracking up and loving it. And just didn't. I don't know, man. I, I was just kind of like, mm, like, I get, 
it, it's so weird because the tone of this season has been so almost mired in reality that like when they have these completely out of reality moments, I'm sort of like disbelieving of it now. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, and especially since they come back to that well again when he's like, oh, no, my Zoloft really isn't working. And then he's got, like, the emoji on his head. But I don't know. Like, I like seeing them and calling out just, like, the way we communicate now, which is mostly through emojis. I know I use those a lot in conversation. And so, I don't know, I just kind of looked into it as a deeper than scene than it probably was. I mean, I think emojis have definitely been, like, a subject of, like, damn those millennials. Yeah. I mean, we have an emoji movie that's coming out or already out. Ew. Yeah, pretty pretty embarrassing. I hate that. But, uh, yeah, so that's the opener. Got our little boy, Elliot, trying to go cl- go clean but also go postal. Yes, I mean, and he ended up doing more postal, and that's what I wanted to see was him throwing people back in jail. How Did you enjoy all the meetings that he had with the people and how he's getting their passwords? Oh, that was hilarious. And like, also. And I, I love that it's the, the female exec that finally listens to him. Oh, yes. like And like you see her taking notes throughout, and like you're, oh, okay, this is the person that we've been waiting on. And if like you see yep. him progress through the speeches and everything, he still can't keep eye contact with anybody. He's shaking, very jittery, always looking up and down. I was like, hey, thank you, uh, Porsche Doubleday, because I've now noticed that his eyes, like he's no longer keeping that eye contact anymore. Oh, but I was like, I, I, when, when he was like, and that concludes my presentation, and he was just looking at her with that little look on his face, I was like, Ellie, <laughs> please put you in my pocket, stop. <laughs> Oh, no. And then, uh, how how do you feel about the uh, manager's excuses? Goo Goo Dolls? Let me tell you, everybody. Seen them? Personally, I love the Goo Goo Dolls. Terrible in concert. They haven't been relevant in, like, ten years. It's been a lot longer than ten years. Goo Goo Dolls. Nobody, because it's a terrible show. They let the backup guitarist do all the singing, worked on all new material. Sorry, paid to see the Goo Goo Dolls that I grew up listening to. Uh, Broadway, Baby's Back, was it Baby's Back Balloon? Uh, there's a lot. You're already in territory that nobody knows about. Slide? Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. You will go down. Goo Goo Dolls have way more than just Iris. (laughs) How dare you? But, uh, what I really loved about the managers is, you know, we have the first two on their phones. Yes. And, you know, mired into technology. And then the third executive, she's got a pen and paper. Yeah, she's got the old uh, notebook, per se. It's like the old zipper. You open it up. Yeah. You know? And I really paid attention to that. Like, that was an interesting choice, I think. Yeah, you know, it sticks out. Because, like, even though we notice them on their phone, it's just like, oh, that's just a common occurrence. They're not paying attention. But when she was sitting there writing out everything, it's like, oh... She's taking notes. Like, she's actually taking this seriously. And then she paused and was like, hmm. Yeah, no, you're right, Elliot. We're going to move this up the ladder. And then, I know a good idea when I hear it. Like, why wouldn't we do this? But no, I like that you caught the notepad and everything. Because I was going to mention it, completely forgot. And I was like, yep, 
That's a pretty pivotal thing. You're welcome. <laughs> and then, so he gets through all of that. And to continue on with Elliot, what did you think about the psychology scenes and everything? I think we just knock out both of uh, her scenes kind of together. Oh, yeah. I love that that's back. Yes. And um, that did you like that we were in her home office? And, like, how... It was so beautifully set up like oh my god that set design was fucking awesome like just just the way that the chairs were set up and the colors like they were so muted yet they were so rich yes like the red books in the background i'm like what and the dark carpet and it was just and like the rug and like the the bird's eye shot yeah like i really really liked that space Mm -hmm. and like this is like it was very intense in these scenes like, I had goosebumps, my hair was standing up, I was like, okay, something big is going to happen here. Yeah, both scenes were gorgeous, like, definitely my favorite part of the whole episode. Like, with the first scene, uh, the sound design was done really well, you know, we fade out the ticking of the clock, we hear, like, the kids playing outside, which brings him into that memory, which then, you know, leads us into that feeling yeah. with him. And then, and then we have the slow music, and it really, really took you into that moment where I was smiling with her. Like, when she's smiling at him because he's smiling, Yes, I was smiling. And, like, the complete reactions on Rami Malek and whoever the actress is who plays this uh, psychiatrist, because her job to go from the smiling to, oh, my dad pushed me out the window. Like, that shock on her face, I was like, oh, my God. Wait, he's had to have told her before, right? We, we've been through this. No, she knows. And then she... But it, the constrained shock is yes. what's so good about it. Because, like, she, like there, I, I truly believe that there is probably no psychiatrist that can fix Elliot. But no. But she is very good. From my very limited amount, yes, yeah, she is fantastic in doing... As someone who has been to therapy, she is very good. <laughs> So, on top of that, what I really loved about that reaction, mm-hmm. her sort of not knowing, is in the first season, in all of their therapy sessions, he said a lot of stuff to her in his head. Yes. And, and I think he realized in that moment that there's so much that he's actually never said to people. Which I can relate to that on many of levels. But then, like, the interesting thing was he wrote it down in his diary back in the first season that he told her. So he genuinely thought that he had told her this before. Or he's just lying to us through the journal. It's tough to tell with Elliot. I mean, there were multiple timelines in the first two seasons where he wasn't actually sure what had happened at all. Yes. And uh, there's been... lying to us or any number of things. And sadly, we will not know. But, and so then, you know, we'll move on to the second scene of the uh, psychiatry thing. And he had just gotten back from, I think, allowing Darlene to stay with him. Yes. And so. So he now knows that Mr. Robot is there. Yes. Well, yeah, I think you're right. Because I don't think he's. Okay. Because he tells her, you know, she's like, well, I'd like to speak with him. And he's like, well, do you think that would help me? And she says, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 no, you're right. I, I was thinking something differently. We were on different brave, brave waves there, brain waves. Brave waves, brave lengths. Are, are you sure you're not hungover too? I, I was at a wedding last night, and so... Oh. Yeah, 
as you know, us Lovitz really enjoy our weddings, so. And you are all about those weddings. Yes, yes, we very and much are. Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck, it was played three times in a row. It was, oh uh. Oh my god, how are you alive? You know, dedicated to my craft. <laughs> what, what can I say? But, oh god, now where were we? Now oh, the second scene, okay. We're, I'm a, I apologize, everybody, but, uh. Coming back into the second scene with the psych with the psychiatrist, and you had said, "Do you think that will help?" Okay, how do we do this? And I, the whole relaxing moment where I closed my eyes, you know, I was laying back. I was like, "Oh," and then all of a sudden, boom! She's talking to him. Oh my god! But hold on, hold on. That moment where Elliot leans forward, and we have the overlaying voices. Yes, the mixed voices. With that super close-up, I was like, fuck, like, it was so good, Ugh. It was legitimately terrifying. Like, it was probably scarier than any moment in It. It was, it was definitely, like, like I said uh, in the last podcast, I really, really, really want to see more of Elliot as Mr. Robot. And I think the show is teasing that out slowly. Yeah, I think and you got exactly that this episode. Yeah, exactly, and I loved that moment, and then we kind of see him a little bit, and then he sits back. We had that several times happen, Mm -hmm. where the camera would move and then come back, and it would be Christian Slater, and it would be Mr. Robot. Yes, and then the close-up that we got for Christian Slater for this opening thing, I was like, holy shit, how do they keep finding these things? But they find the perfect angle every single time, and then their conversation, their... Back and forth without really saying anything. I thought it was fantastic. But, uh, you know, now Elliot's been set on the path to figuring out Angela. Well, I mean, even before... So you think that's who Mr. Robot was talking about when he said she compromised us? I think so. Either that or... It's either Angela, Darlene, or White Rose. And I don't think Mr. Robot knows White Rose as White Rose. I think... Does does he not? I think only Elliot knows him as White Rose. Well, on top of that, you know, there's a good chance that it's Darlene because he points to the fact that she's his trigger. Yes. He thinks that she is. Oh, and he... And uh, Mr. Robot's the one who caught her... On the computer and everything, so he could be literally referring to compromise as in the FBI. Yeah, I was going to be real pissed off if she got away with stuff on his computer and he didn't, like, wake up. Oh, I was going to lose. I was going to come in and rail on this episode if Mr. Computer Genius, world's greatest hacker, had a simple bug on his computer that he didn't notice after he knew his sister tampered with his computer. Like, excuse me. Yeah. I'm just like, Sam, Esmail, you are so much better than that. But back to the, uh, like, do you think his psychiatrist gained anything from this? Um, I think that the psychiatrist has never really gained anything from this. I think she's just doing her best yeah. to keep head above water in an impossible situation. So you think she just hopped on an 800-pound bull and was just like, I was not prepared for all of this. I mean, she's doing an excellent job, Mm -hmm. but the thing is, is that there's so much he's not telling her as evidenced by the first scene that she can't adequately help him. True. And then we have, you know, this, this 
terrifying sequence with Mr. Robot, but from what we understand, she told then told Elliot everything yes. that she heard from him. So I can only be led to believe that maybe Elliot will continue to try and invoke Mr. Robot in front of either her or other people to try and learn about him since they're not united even though anymore, even though Mr. Robot wants them to be. I mean, it'll have to be her just because I can't think of anybody else who's going to give him the information that he wants. Maybe Darlene, if she feels comfortable enough being around him. But after this past episode, I don't necessarily see how she does. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I never felt terrified for the psychiatrist lady. I feel terrible that I don't have a name for her. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll work on that next week, everybody. But Sorry about it. Uh, well, we might not have to learn her name just because I don't know if she makes it much longer in the show. Do you? Uh, I think I think that she's gonna be a go-to um, vehicle for exposition and change. Okay, so you don't see her being in any danger from Mister Robot. No. Whew. I hope not, but. I don't know, like, I was, like, when he was leaning over her with both hand, ar- hands on the armrest, I was like, uh-oh. It's a little close well, for comfort. she's the only normal person in this whole universe. True. Like, she's been established to, like, just kind of want to go on dates and, you know, has normal people problems and is just doing her best. And <laughs> very Ellie true. very determined to protect her. In whichever way that he can. Yeah. Okay. And now, you know, before the second psychiatric scene, I, I'm doing a terrible job of painting my field into a better light. But before he gets to see psychiatrist again the second time, uh, he meets up with Darlene. You know, she ends up calling him, trying to contact him and everything. And they're sitting on the boardwalk that many of conversations in this show have uh, taken place in front of. And... They start chit-chatting a little bit, and she's like, I just want to wish you a happy birthday. And I'm just glad you're, you're done with the silent treatment. And he throws out, well, if I'm remembering correctly, you're the one that told me to fuck off. And she got a little upset that he's actually starting to remember things. Yeah. Well, not only that, like, you know, we did learn before this scene that she is straight up betraying him. Yes. Which I thought was pretty obvious in the first episode. But I can understand you not wanting to uh, believe that badass Darlene had flipped on us and got started working for the FBI. I mean, Darlene has never been my favorite. But I, she was always like that signature badass that you always want in a show. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate her character and she does her very well. Yes. But as a human being, Darlene kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. Terrible person. But like, like, so it's hard to watch her. And I understand why she's doing what she's doing. Like, of course, she's working with Dom. Dom is a reasonable fucking human. Yes. And she's ensuring her safety. And she's the only person that's telling Darlene, you're going to be safe if you do this. Which she can't guarantee, but she's at least continuously promising that, which is very nice to see in here. Like, she's giving her a safe house. She's giving her an out. Like, you know, the whole thing. Trusting her, which is highly important. I don't yeah. know why she's trusting her so much, but I like that they've implemented that into the show and have made her vouch for her on multiple occasions. I don't think she trusts 
her as much as she recognizes that Darlene's fear is palpable enough that she's not going to betray them. That's still trust, you know, in a wicked sense. I mean, yeah, because, like, you know, obviously Darlene called Dom in the bathroom in the first episode. So Dom knows that she's the one that she goes to when she's afraid. And Darlene knows that Dom really trusts her because she showed them her entire operation and yeah. has gone to bat for her multiple times. So did the whole showed showed Darlene that she didn't know nearly as much as she thought she did when they had the Tyrell Wellick thing. Like, yeah. Do you think that they should have held the uh, Tyrell Wellick conversation from Darlene, or should they have go ahead and already shown her that, or listen, made her listen to it? I mean, at this point, I don't think that they were going to gain anything by not showing her. Yeah, like, I don't see why they, they didn't show it to her when they introduced her to the boardroom. Because they didn't want to inform her decision. They probably wanted to see if Elliot would keep it a secret. Because just by him keeping it a secret from her tells that there's something to keep a secret about. Okay. I didn't think about it like that. At all. So I like the different perspective you're throwing at me, and uh, that makes a lot of sense for why they wouldn't have told her immediately. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I am... I'm doing my best. Okay. Well, I think, you know, then we go from there. They talk about the snowman and everything. Oh, and on the boardwalk, can we talk about that looks at him and she goes I didn't do all this for the fame or the glory I did this because I wanted to be around you yes I absolutely loved this like and I didn't want to believe it but I did oh I believed it whole I ate it up I was like I became the most empathetic person in the world which is like I guess normal me but mm. I was just sitting there it's like Darlene I'm with you 100% let's just hang out with Elliot I understand why you would do this. I understand why you would crave his approval like he is. Well, it's like not even just that. It's just like she literally just threw her life away just to hang out with her brother for a year. And it's like, damn. Yeah, but she really liked the, you know, being part of that society. And she really liked. Oh, yeah. She got, she drank the Kool-Aid. Like, she drank the Kool-Aid wholeheartedly. I mean, it was coming from her brother and everything. And she got behind the cause because there was a bunch of like-minded people that she wasn't normally able to hang out with. And then, you know, you get that feeling of importance. Like, I mean, it's very cultish, and it does a great job of selling it to you. Mr. Robot is nothing if not convincing. Yes. And especially since... Now, what interested me with this conversation also was man i wish dad was here he would know what to do oh i know i was like fuck you don't even know girl you don't even know well it's not even just that it's how smart was their dad and like what did he really do to him because it was more than just push him off this out of this window because she's like that's our shitty childhood don't don't think for a second I don't have these problems too. Yeah, which was nice to hear because you know you always get characters who get super in their head and forget about the other people that were involved. Mm-hmm. And so like, so it was really bad, but she still wants him there for his advice. 
And so like, I'm just. He's still their dad. Oh man, like you're right, but there's just so much more to go with this family's messed up uh, qualities that I can't wait for us to find out. I mean, me too, but honestly, I think it all just comes down to the, like, they want someone they consider a, quote, adultier adult True. to tell them what to do. I guess we are always kind of looking like that. Damn you, Loki from the Avengers. Right? Oh, too real. But anyway, he gets her to stay the night and everything, and I like that. It's like one of those dishwashing moments. It's like, no, I don't want you to wash the dishes. I want you to want to wash the dishes. And like that's how he got her to say, he's like, no, 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 I really want you to stay. I don't want to be alone. You're the person I'm choosing to be there in that moment and everything. She takes advantage. Even though he knows she's his trigger. Yes, which all the more reason. And I think the uh, speech of saying, hey, I want to be closer to you was a big reason that he was able to open this door for her. Yeah, I think I agree. And, you know, he gets there to say the night and stuff. She takes advantage because he had lied to her about Tyrell. Hops on the computer and everything. And then we get that first switch into uh, Mr. Robot. Which I know right at first. Yes. And but it happened after he fell asleep. So do you think he went to sleep as Mr. Robot or he just woke up hearing it? No, I think he wake. I think when he goes to sleep... He is in a, like, okay, in the psychiatrist session. Yeah. You know, he's in a state of relaxation. He's in a state of impressionableness, impressionability. Ability? Yeah, impressionability. And um, so he, therefore, was able to, like, Mr. Robot was able to jump out and take over. Okay. So I think, you know, he went to sleep and Mr. Robot saw that there was a threat to his plan with Darlene and decided to jump on it. I can agree with that. And I jumped. Like when he when he grabbed her arm like that, you hear it. Like Yeah, it the, was violent. Like it cuz it's so not like him. Nah. Uh-uh. And she knew that. She knew it was him. Oh, she's like, "Oh shit, it's you." And like I don't I was a little shook just watching the scene and everything. I was like, man, that, this is a powerful scene. Like, you see him slam her against the wall and everything, the grab, the cussing, her, the, like, swinging, like, down on him and everything. I was like, get it, Darlene. Yeah, it was rough. It was good, though. But. And bravo to I USA. Mr. Robot is getting desperate. Yes. Because he knows that Darlene is bad for him. Because she's already helped Elliot close the back door. She's obviously choosing the Elliot side over all of this. And so he's got to make a big move against her. Yep. And And I'm worried about her safety more than anything, especially with how this episode ends. Exactly. It ends with, uh, do we want to do the email or White Rose? We got email, White Rose, and Joanna. Oh my god, I was going to completely forget about Joanna. I, I deleted it out of my head. Let, let's go ahead and jump into Joanna a little bit. I'm just mad. Like, honestly, I'm... Because you texted me as soon as it happened, too. I did. I texted as soon as it happened. I went, Joanna, no! <laughs> like, 
And then I guess you hadn't seen the commercial yet. And so then as soon as I was like, they leave no doubt and that I could only imagine what that meant to you. Cause I thought, okay, maybe, you know, Oh no, I, I thought it too. Believe me. They took her fucking head off. Literally. Cool fucking scene though. Great job. Cool fucking scene. I was like, like, I've seen seven seasons of Bones, and they didn't have a skull removal like this. Well, it was also cool because, you know, you had it going on in the background, out of focus. It was super gross. And then in the foreground, you have this conversation between Dom and her super douchey partner, who I hate. Cannot stand this guy one bit. Yeah, he sucks. Like, he can go. And then, uh, you know, they're talking about, and like, I was really riveted into the scene because of the, the background and because the foreground, you know, was well acted because traditionally that's, that sort of exchange would have been kind of boring mm-hmm. and maudlin. Well, because we've seen it thousands of times. Yeah. But the way that they did it made yes. it like really interesting to me. And also like this dude, he get, his voice is done really weird because the first time we see him this episode, when he's talking to Darlene, 90% of his talking, he's not, his mouth isn't on screen. It's a lot of voiceovers just on the screen and stuff and just showing the image of his legs. And then, like, when he gets this big scene, even though, like you said, they're at the forefront, they're also kind of the background. And so you're never really focusing on this guy when he's talking. He's not important. I know, he's but... Just, he's just the problem child. You gotta have one to push the actual important characters forward. I suppose, but I, I've just never really noticed it this much in a show until like I was watching this episode. I don't know. We both know I'm a weird one. Mm. But, so, you know, Joanna, she's on the talk show and everything. And bravo. I almost TiVo'd right past this, thinking, I was like, when did uh, my US, when did Mr. Robot turn into a pol- political show? I don't know. I know, I got really confused. I was like, what are we doing? But they've done that to us a few times. They have. I was just like, well done on the production quality, guys. You could pass. And, uh, like, she goes through all of that. I don't think she really says too much big during the interview or anything, except yada yada. I had a woman of weakness. I still love Tyrell. He's my baby daddy. And so, <laughs> we get in the car. I love this bodyguard. Like the, I know. I really hope he's not dead. Like, I hope he goes to find Ty- Tyrell or something. Because, like, he's, I like him a lot, even though he's real scary. Oh, dude is terrifying. Like, Pretty much everybody, like how they control their anger in this show, fantastic. And because that he does not deserve to be murdered by pansy ass ex boyfriend. No, but neither did my baby Joanna. But no, I was really upset about that. Like, uh... <laughs> but uh, like he just pulls over, beats the crap out of the guy in like three hits, and it's just like, dude, it's not gonna happen. Give it up. Go marry some sad sap and never think of Joanna again. And the only unbelievable part in this thing is it took 11 seconds for the guy to get up from having the crap knocked out of him out of there. And they calmly standing there smoothly. Bam. I guess he shot him in the neck. Is that what it looked like? Also, how did this guy get a gun in New York? That, how did this guy get a gun in New York that easily? Like, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's pretty easy to get guns in New York. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying, a few gangs up there and everything. Yeah, but that guy's going through the legal avenues. He's not. Oh, you think so? 
That was yeah. like a little snub nose. No. Yeah. No. That's an illegal gun. 100%. He just framed a guy for murder. You think he cares about legally obtaining a gun? He only framed a guy for murder because he was so far up Joanna's butt that, like, couldn't, couldn't conceivably do anything else. Semantics. Still just framed a guy for murder. I'm saying he's capable of getting an illegal handgun. All right, all right. Either way, he I, uh, he killed Queen. It, it was he killed, he killed one of my queens with I the most impractical it. shot in the world. Because like I've, I've watched the scene a few times, I don't know what angle this bullet's coming from to knock her back like that. Like yeah, it had to, and I don't know how it like hit her in the side of the head like that and murdered her because it would have had to come from the side, but it came yeah. from the front. And so it didn't make any sense. the angle and projectile of this shot makes no sense, but they prove, as we said in the very next scene, that she is dead. Oh, by the... that shot of her face with her head open. Ooh. Yeah, not good. But Ooh. also when she's dying in the back of the car and the blood squirts and then lands on the baby. And then yeah, like we've just, does. oh, <laughs> then we just got like this deep pull out shot. And I'm just like, really? Really, I mean, yes, it's fantastic, it's beautiful, it's all of these things, but really, Mr. Robot? I mean, I'm really impressed that they did that whole thing in one take. Yeah. And just... Like, that's really impressive. As we said, the darkness of this episode is potentially becoming the theme of the season. And then, yeah. uh, do you think at all this baby is going to play into the season? Or do you think um, we're just shipping it away, never to worry about it again? I think either that or Tyrell will ty try to find it, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, like I'm thinking, I'm with you. It's either Tyrell outs himself by hunting down his child, or his child's truly in protect protective custody, and we're never going to hear about it again. No, he's not in protective custody. Dick well, caught McGee was like, put him in child services, which, like, Jesus. Might as well be protective custody, because child services is unfortunately manned by too few people and so like they're not gonna know yeah they're not gonna know where this kid is it's protective custody mm. in my mind <laughs> well we lost we lost our our one queen yes. so let's talk about another and white rose is swinging her power with beautiful grace don't mistake my generosity It was a beautiful one-liner. They they have failed with many one-liners. And, like, she already tried to have the mic drop earlier. And then he came back with that. And so when she came with this one-liner, I was like, I don't even know what that means. Because I don't know what else generosity could be. But it sounded amazing. And I just, I would have pooped my pants love, if I was there. I love every minute of Beanie Wong on screen. Just every minute. And especially, like, you know, when we have the second scene where she's with her assistant... Which obviously has not been gotten rid of. No. And she says, you know, I want to go along with phase two no matter what. And he's like, well, why would you want to do something with all these repercussions if you're going to get what you want? And she was like, because I need to show him that I'm still in charge. Yeah, it goes back to, uh, there was one comedian who was just talking about a lion. He's like, you know, the little mama lion comes over, starts playing with them. The flies are laying on his face. The hyenas are getting closer and closer. 
And then one day the lion just gets up and eats the three hyenas because sometimes a lion has to be a lion. And I was like, you know what? B.D. Wong, you do you. Sometimes you just got to flex that power power because Philip Price obviously thinks he has it. His entire speech, all he's doing is ripping China. And shout-outs to Bitcoin for, I guess, being the uh, paying a hefty price for all the positive product placement. I mean, you know, Bitcoin's not doing very well, so I guess we'll see. But, I mean, I thought that the, the, the dude, the, the CEO Philip of Price. Corp is just off the rails. Like, he is an impetulant child at this point. But do you think he is fake flexing muscle, or do you think that he's being underestimated? Um, I would be... He's he's been so annoying and so impotent at this point that it's almost like he has to be being like something else has to happen with him. Yeah. Or else, like, why is he here? Because like our boy Sammy isn't gonna just like throw a useless nothing into the show. No, and so I, I'm a little worried about White Rose going through with this plan, no matter what. All I can think is the reason he's in the show and being so awful is to give. B.D. Wong a reason to continue on with phase two because you know he is getting what he wants we need to have this scene of altercation to show why they're continuing on with it feels a little flimsy but we'll see once we figure out what phase two is and everything what I said but it might not be as flimsy once we figure out what phase two completely is instead of what we think it is right now Get out of here with time travel. But also, the way B.D. Wong entered, or White Rose entered, with the, just let it be known, I only took this meeting because it's on my way out. I was like, yes, you set the precedence early. Like, you, you majestic son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Then just the, hey, just so we never have to worry about this again. My success will always come before your success. I was like, <gasps> like, oh my god, you're so amazing. Like, oh. and the thing <laughs> is, is that like when you have characters that like their entire character is being badass, it's really hard to keep pulling that off. Yes, but we've seen B.D. Wong do so many fucking amazing things and be in so many positions of power and pull off so much shit that it's like, all right. I mean, I think the only person who would have, like, a higher, uh, like, grade per scene is the Queen of Thorns herself from Game of Thrones. I, th- I think that's the only person that's outdone White Rose in limited screen time. That's fair. I agree. And uh, until White Rose dies no. as a person with shades coming down out of thin air and fire coming inside of those shades, like the Queen of Thorns has, then she's just not going to be able to top her. Don't you dare. (laughs) But until then, I'm going to embrace every White Rose scene that we have. Oh, yes. Favorite. Still still favorite. Yes. Okay. And so we're a little worried. I think it's fair to say we're a little worried that White Rose is underestimating Philip Price here, and that's something that we need to look out for in the near future. Correct? Yeah, definitely, you know... White Rose is so confident that it's kind of like, mm. Yeah. It's like in gambling where it's just like a, a line looks a little fishy. We're saying that this line's a little fishy, people. So keep an eye out on uh, old Price. On our queen here. Yep. 
So yeah. now we're down to the final scene of the episode. The uh, Dom coming in like, ah, here's your sandwich. I'm done with these people because they're now using e-coin only. And Dom, shout out to you. Keeping my namesake going with cash. I love it. Couldn't appreciate it more. Yeah, that's what her intent Hey, is. hey, we all get different vi- uh, experiences in how we watch that's a show, it. you know? Multimedia platform. I'm just saying Dom loves me, you know? That's all. Sure. Yeah. Hey, sticking to it. Anyway, and uh, by the end of the scene, I'm rolling off of my bed laughing so hard for one main reason, and that's his, like, hey, he's talking to Dom. I got this cool audio clip, clean audio from there. She's like, okay, let me hear it. Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, forget the name of the song, which is embarrassing. But the funny reason that had me laughing so much was because this was the first CD I ever bought. And I bought that CD specifically for that song. The first CD you ever bought was the Bare Naked Ladies. It was the Bare Naked Ladies. The first CD I ever bought was Cedar. Wow, I'm gonna say you have a worse first CD than me, and mine was the Bare Naked Ladies. I don't know. Like, neither of us was Nickelback <laughs> or Creed. Oh God, no! A lot, a lot of funny stories with Creed. Arms yeah. wide open. All right. No. No. Whenever we're not taking it. Okay. Not about that. But anyway, I, I, I truly, whoever picks these songs and everything, bravo. Um, like, I don't understand why they work, but they do. Yeah, like no one should have ever been able to pull out bare naked ladies ever again. And then just like her immediate great. Now I'm gonna have that stuck in my head all fucking day. Like yeah, you are. Yeah, and I did listen to that song like three times a day. Anyway, you know they fall for hook, line, and sinker. Like how do people not realize by now? If you open up an email, that's nothing. You've been hacked. It's something. Yeah, like if this is your department, you're watching a hacker and everything, shouldn't you be careful for every email? But I think so. But I digress. Of course, you know, we let Dom figure it out, let her be the mastermind that she is. But But the question is like, is it Elliot or is it Mr. Robot? It's gotta be See, I didn't even really think about that. But I think it's gotta be Mr. Robot. I think it's Elliot because of how he's reacting, like, you know, his, like, mood and his mannerisms in the security footage. And he doesn't look at the camera. Mr. Robot would have looked at the camera. Okay. I like where you're at. I was looking at as more of why would have Elliot have looked for this on his computer if Mr. Robot's the one that knew about it? Maybe Elliot has always known and so and he he's just trying to like figure out what she knows or earn his sister back. I'm not 100% sure on that, but yeah, like cuz I mean, I, you've got the case for it being Elliot just because the after effects and I've got the case for it to be Mr. Robot for the pre for the prelude. So it's just like <laughs> we've got it backwards or something somehow. We're just going to have to wait till the next episode to figure it out. And do you say so do you think we start pretty much right there? In the next episode? Yeah, I, well, I don't think we'll start right there. I think it'll probably be the second scene. I think we'll start with another character. Okay. Maybe, you know, someone we didn't see in this episode. Like, maybe, like, Mustache Johnny or Tyrell or... Or my boy uh, Leon you know, coming back from 
hopefully somewhere. Because, my God, we haven't seen him yet. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be something like that, and then it'll be, like, the second scene after the opening title. Okay. And then, just so, like, I was a little confused. I don't know if you were and can answer this or not, but is Darlene's uh, hideout directly underneath Dom's? So like her safe I house? I think that the safe house is like a general apartment complex, and I think their surveillance apartment is above hers. Okay. Or maybe it's like a duplex, and they're just immediately above her. Yeah, that kind of thing. That is super risky. And that would lead me to not think that it's Yeah, Elliot. but at the same time, like, they wouldn't be able to immediately help. True. They weren't right there. I don't know. Like that, that's pretty risky for Eli, for Elliot to just go rushing into. Very. I mean, that's, that's fair. I'm just. I, I. I. think Elliot maybe doesn't know everything. He just knows that there's something going on there, so he's checking it out. Yeah. And just stumbles into it being the FBI. That's totally something he'd do. Hey, uh, we're we're gonna kind of arrest you for breaking and entering. Yeah, we got you on film. Don't worry about it. Pretty like, cut and dry case. We're we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put you back in jail, okay, buddy? All right. Yeah. All right. See ya. Like, man. <laughs> but uh, unless you got anything else, I think I'm good. I guess that's the episode. I mean, this was definitely a setup. So. And I think exciting things mid season. I don't know. Wow. Like this, there was a lot of good setup for me. I thought this was some of the best acting we've seen all season. Oh no, I in terms of talking about plot i yeah. don't think we moved that far forward probably not like, as always he answers three questions and then gives us about another 74 and it's like yeah. really dude but also bravo usa giving us a lot of f-bombs i always truly appreciate when you let those come uh, flowing out it's like all right man i see you and your your fines yeah i'm like amc step up your game also right. uh walking dead starts sunday night which is actually when we recorded this and so we'll have the podcast out for that on tuesday and you can hit us up more about mr robot on facebook or twitter at bleed tv podcast or email us we love to get emails and uh, answer back to those at bleed tv podcast at gmail.com but until next week i'm cash and i'm Larissa. and we'll see y'all then <laughs>